The first principle of Unitarian Universalism calls us to respect the inherent worth and dignity of all people. Our faith has been good at fighting homophobia, transphobia, racism, and many other phobias and isms. What I'd like to talk about today is the stigma surrounding mental illness and particularly around having a child with mental illness. I'm not suggesting that we're not tolerant or that we're unkind. Whoa, that's, that's not good. Sorry about that. My tech is having problems. Sorry about that. Okay, I'm not suggesting that we're not tolerant or that we're unkind. Mental illness makes people uncomfortable. It's hard to talk about. We tend to hide mental illness, and we especially hide our kids who have mental illness. The stigma is real, whether or not it's intentional. I am the parent of a child with mental illness. I am a step-parent of, of children with mental illness. I am the aunt of a child with mental illness. Glenn Close said, what mental health needs is more sunlight, more candor, and more unashamed conversation. But it's hard to talk about someone with mental illness in your family. Former First Lady Michelle Obama writes, sadly, too often, the stigma around mental health prevents people who need help from seeking it. But that simply doesn't make any sense. Whether an illness affects your heart, your arm, or your brain, it's still an illness and there shouldn't be any distinction. We should make it clear that getting help isn't a sign of weakness, it's a sign of strength, and we should ensure that people can get the treatment they need. That's all well and good, and I'm pretty sure that none of us would agree, disagree with Ms. Obama. However, as we go about our daily lives, we often don't know about or don't recognize the struggles of others. Just because someone carries it well, doesn't mean it isn't heavy. And the stigma is real. It's not just about our inability to recognize the struggles of others. Those of us living our lives with a mentally ill child mostly don't share our stories at dinner parties or the church coffee hour. There's even a Facebook page created for us by NAMI Iowa, but it's set to private. You'll only find the Facebook page if someone knows about your situation and invites you. During my time as a parent, step-parent, and aunt of someone with mental illness, I have carried bipolar disorder, 
attachment disorder, oppositional defiant disorder, major depression, addictions, and suicidal ideation. When I had a child hospitalized for a severe and life-threatening medical disorder, Mark Stringer visited us in the hospital and many in this congregation brought us casseroles. What I didn't tell you about were the multiple times I had children hospitalized for psychiatric disorders or the two children who were in psychiatric residential treatment as young teenagers. I didn't share about the substance abuse treatment centers or the hundreds of appointments with therapists and psychiatrists, the psychiatric ER visits or the time I talked a teen close to me out of suicide. But I'm telling you now with the hope that if you or your family are struggling with mental illness, you'll reach out for help. Remember, shame and stigma die when stories are told in safe places. I am willing to be a safe space for anyone who wants to share. I have been a member of this congregation for just about 10 years. I've been around long enough to remember a sermon that Zenda Lindell did several years ago, where she talked about being a survivor of sexual abuse. I am still in awe of how brave Zenda was for sharing. And after that service, I feel like I knew Zenda just a little bit better and could better support her as part of the church community. When I taught RE to little people several years ago, there were a couple of kids who I thought were pretty badly behaved to the point of being almost completely out of control. They wouldn't sit, they wouldn't listen, they didn't participate appropriately. None of my go-to parenting tricks for redirecting those behaviors worked. I soon learned, quite accidentally, that those little people were former foster kids who'd endured abuse and neglect and suffered from attachment disorder. For me, it was a complete aha moment. When I was provided with that information, I didn't judge, I understood. I understood that they had mental health diagnoses and functioned differently from a lot of kids their age. My understanding and knowledge brought a change to my approach as an RE teacher. I no longer saw those, kiddie, those kids as naughty or undisciplined. I could adjust my interaction and teaching with those kids so that they could have fun and learn too. These stories about Zenda and RE are important for a couple of reasons. 
Not only do we as Unitarians respect the inherent worth and dignity of all, including those who are abuse survivors or those who suffer from mental illness, we also believe in the seventh principle, the respect for the interdependent web of existence. Psychologist Eric Erickson wrote, life doesn't make any sense without interdependence. We need each other. And the sooner we learn that, the better for us all. My childhood hero, Fred Rogers said, we live in a world in which we need to share responsibility. It's easy to say, it's not my child, not my community, not my world, not my problem. Then there are those who see the need and respond. I consider those people my heroes. I do too, Mr. Rogers. My ask today is that you help to combat the stigma around mental illness. It doesn't involve a march or a protest. Luckily, NAMI, the National Alliance on Mental Illness, has compiled a list of ways to fight stigma. Among those ways are to talk openly about mental health. Most of us are not reluctant to share a medical diagnosis, but not that many people will share a mental health diagnosis. Educate yourselves and others. Learn about the different kinds of mental illness. They sound scary, but they're just people who have a brain illness. Be conscious of language. A young woman by the name of Helby Hinken writes, I fight stigma by reminding people that their language matters. It is so easy to refrain from using mental health conditions as adjectives. And in my experience, most people are willing to replace their usage of it with something else if I explain why their language is problematic. Encourage equality between physical and mental illness. Show compassion for those with mental illness. Choose empowerment over shame. And be honest about treatment. Isabel Garcia writes, I fight stigma by saying I see a therapist and a psychiatrist. Why can people say they have an appointment with their primary care doctor without fear of being judged? But this lack of clear, lack of fear does not apply when it comes to mental health professionals. And finally, in the words of Jamie Brown, don't harbor self-stigma. I fight stigma by not having stigma for myself, not hiding from the world in shame, but being a productive member of society. I volunteer at church, have friends, and I'm a peer mentor and a mom. I take my treatment seriously. I'm purpose-driven and want to show others they can live a meaningful life, even if they're battling mental illness. NAMI offers us some great suggestions. 
for us as Unitarians, we're kind of more used to protests, sit-ins, and other public demonstrations of support for our particular cause. We donate money to our faith in action partners. But what I'm doing, I'm not asking you to protest or even to contribute money. In this instance, I'm asking us to turn inward, to really get to know one another in our congregation, to build that community, to know our fellow members of the congregation and their children, to be the safe space where stigma dies. My life has led me down a winding path of interesting career pursuits. My latest endeavor and uh, kind of the impetus for this uh, service today is employment at Easter Seals on the Children's Mental Health Crisis Team. Crossing my fingers this morning that because I'm on call that the phone doesn't ring during the service and so far so good. My role on the crisis stabilization team is to support families whose children are having a mental health crisis. Because the first time it happens in a family, it's a crisis. Parents don't know what to do. I know several members of our congregation worked long hours with Amos to secure funding for children's mental health services in our state. And I want to wholeheartedly thank them for their efforts. On September 7th of this year, Polk County, the largest county by population in the state of Iowa, opened its first ever crisis stabilization unit for children. So why is this a big deal? And it's a big deal. Because prior to September 7th, parents of children with serious mental illnesses had two choices. Outpatient therapy, if they could find a provider with a less than six month waiting list, or inpatient hospitalization, if there was a bed available and if their child met some pretty strict uh, admission criteria. If your child was in crisis, but didn't quite meet the criteria for inpatient and couldn't really wait six months for an appointment with a therapist, or if the inpatient beds were full, parents got home to just deal, do the best they could, survive the crisis. In the just over two weeks, the unit has been open. We've served just over a dozen kids, most inpatient, but some in the community. We're credentialed to serve kids between the ages of five and 17. And we've had kids at both ends of that spectrum. We've had a five-year-old in crisis stabilization. Crisis stabilization is a service that has been desperately needed in our community. 
and members of this congregation worked hard to make this unit possible. But let's also make support happen within our church community. Our members help, uh, helping our members. Let's make that happen too. Let's remember our first and our seventh principles and live them into action. Let's love and trust each other enough to share. And for heaven's sakes, let's remember the casseroles and the lasagnas. <laughs>